0: Lot Talk Radio.
1: Welcome all truth seekers from across the globe. This is Reverend Karen L. Heasley from the Spiritual Path Church of Newcastle, Pennsylvania in the United States. Our truth Seeker show covers a variety of subjects from angels to after death communication to parapsychology. We're happy you chose to join us for this episode and hope you find it informative and enjoyable. Today's guest is Dr. Ann Francis Ellis. Anne is the author of Revelations of Profound Love, New Insights into the Power of Love from Near-Death Experiences. Her PhD is from Santa Sophia Seminary, Tahlequah, Oklahoma, in religious studies. She researched over 500 NDE accounts for her book, which reports over 100 people's visits to a realm of love and light where they felt unconditional love and acceptance. For her dissertation, she also researched world religions and found the same conclusions reported by near-death experiencers to be found in them all. She is interested in mediumship, table tipping, past life regression, and other methods of tipping into extensions of regression and other methods of tapping into the other world. So we're going to talk to Ann, and then we're going to have uh, people call in, and we also have the chat box open up. So we're so pleased to have Ann tonight, and Ann and I are friends. Actually, I myself also had a near-death experience, and I first met Ann at an IONS convention in San Diego, um, California. So I would like to welcome Ann. Hi, Ann.
2: Hi, Karen so good to be talking with you again. It was wonderful getting to know you in 2009 at IAN's conference, and I'm glad we've been able to keep in contact.
1: Yeah, me too. And I'm glad that you uh, uh, composed this book. I'm sure it was a, a a lot of good things that you found and a lot of effort. Um, I'd like you to start out by telling uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself, if you wouldn't mind. I, I noticed in the book when I was reading it, it started at age two with you, then 32, then 36. and uh, But I'd like you to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you actually uh, came on this path. Well,
2: my whole life has been sort of two parallel tracks. One track was that I was uh, a professional. I was employed by the Department of the Navy, not as, uh, only as a civilian. I wasn't in the Navy for 28 and a half years, and I worked on computer systems for the Navy. I also went to school during that time and got three advanced degrees. I raised my two sons during that time and had an active life. I was very busy. But there was another part of my life, which was my interior life, which I never talked to anybody about but i could every now and then i would have these experiences of feeling so loved and just knowing that i was that i was loved deeply loved no matter what was going on i could always find that place within myself that knew that it wasn't until 2010 that i remembered that I had a near death experience. I drowned when I was two. I had totally forgotten about it. I still had some side effects from it, such as being terrified of getting my head underwater when I went swimming. But my parents didn't remind me of it. I think they just wanted to forget about it and pretend like it never happened. <laughs> So maybe that has to do with this love that I always knew was there. So in 2010, my friend told me that she was getting a message for me, and it was that I had drowned when I was two. So I didn't really know what to do with that information, but by that time I had gone through all of these (laughs) experiences in my life and gotten very interested. I first heard about near-death experiences when I heard Elizabeth Kubler-Ross speak in 1980 and when I came out of her lecture I was just transfixed. I said, I know that's true and I didn't even know why I said that. It just came out of my mouth and I was I tried to get all the information I could from then on. It wasn't until 14 years later in 94 that I discovered the International Association for Near-Death Studies and joined and went to my first conference in 95 in uh, Connecticut. And what a wonderful experience. I just felt like those people knew who I was. I don't know if you felt that way when you came to the conference in 2009, but it was just a fabulous experience for me, and I've gone back every year that I possibly could just to get my fix, as I call it, (laughs) of love from near-death experiencers. So I had these two parallel lives. My professional life and my family life, but also this interior life where I was in touch with a love that I couldn't talk about. I couldn't describe it. I couldn't tell anybody about it. I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it was. Even when uh, when I was 32, I had an experience. I was in this little chapel and... Uh, during a service before work that I went to every day and one day I was in there and I felt this river of love pouring into me while I was just sitting in my seat and I didn't know what was going on but it felt wonderful and I just felt like it filled up every cell in my whole body and I could feel my heart opening and softening And when I got totally filled up, it seemed like um, it stopped as quickly as it had started. (laughs) So I said to myself, self, all I know for sure is that something was coming from outside of me into me. And I didn't say anything to anybody about that either. How do you talk about things like that? There's nobody that would understand. There's no. There's no words. There's no common vernacular. There's no discussions going on. There's no, you know, even in churches, people don't really talk about their own private personal experiences like that. At least not back then. So I had this private life that was parallel to my, to my. Uh, professional life and, and family life, and now they've sort of merged. You know, I, I feel like near-death experiences and what I've learned from them is the most important thing in my life, and I'm, I try to stay active and stay in touch with these experiences and share them with people on a regular basis. I have a monthly group in Tulsa. We've been meeting for 11 and a half years where we get together once a month and talk about near-death and other mystical experiences.
1: And I have
2: other groups that I meet with that that can talk about things like this. That's the long answer to your question.
1: (laughs) uh, But that makes sense. And and you and I um, both have something in common. Uh, We both read the book by Dr. Raymond Moody, Life After Life. And so I I guess you asked me before we start the show if I would share my experience and and I will because it sorta of, um ties in with yours. Um when I was five years old, uh my mother um was a nurse and I was uh getting a lot of sore throats and she said you have to get your tonsils out before you start school so I you know, that's was the thing to do back then. So um mm-hmm. I uh, I was going to get my tonsils out and they gave me too much ether and my lungs collapsed and I went into cardiac arrest. Um, and then I went down this chute. I don't know. I I think now that I think about it and after doing this work, you know, because uh, we're always on a higher vibrational plane, that going down that chute, it was like going on a water ride. You know how it goes its spinning and spinning and spinning. And I think it was bringing me up to a higher um, uh, vibrational plane. And then once I got out of that chute, I was in the darkest tunnel you could ever imagine. And I was five, so I turned around and I thought, I thought, now where's my mother at? You know, because five years old, you don't know, you know. So I knew I turned around and I couldn't go that way. But the strangest thing happened. At that time, I kept walking and I knew I didn't have a body anymore. I just felt it and I knew I didn't have my physical body. So there was nowhere for me to go and I kept walking and walking uh, towards this uh, brilliant light that I've never seen. I've never seen anything like it here on earth. Never. And uh, it was just unbelievable. And then once I started going into light, then I came back. But I came back with uh, different things, uh, being more intuitive, being gifted, um, and, and having a purpose and trying to fit in. It's hard to fit in when you're five years old and you don't, you know, you don't understand it, and your parents certainly don't. They, don't. they didn't understand it. So I was in college, and I was taking a philosophy class. And the philosophy teacher said, we want, I want you to read this book by Dr. Raymond Moody, Life After Life. So I read it, and it was everything that happened to me. You know, not everything in a book, but certain things. And I went home, and I said to my mother, "Um, I want you to be quite honest with me. Did I have a near-death experience, or did I die somewhere along the way? And she said, yes, when you were getting your tonsils on and I said, "Why didn't you tell me? Maybe things would have made more sense to me." And she said, "The meta, you know, the doctors told me never to talk about it to you, so she didn't." And so, if it wasn't for uh, Dr. Raymond Moody's book, I, I just, I would have never known I had an NDE.
3: Wow.
2: And and they they didn't believe in talking about things like that then. And I'm sure there's a lot of people still that don't believe in talking about it. You know, let's just pretend like it didn't happen, and it'll go away. Well, it doesn't work that way.
1: <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. You come back, and you're different, and you know you're different, and I I came back with a sense of purpose. Even at five years old, I knew that they sent me back for a reason and a purpose. Did you feel that way, Ann?
2: The only purpose that I was aware of, after I found out about this, I had to go through a regression to retrieve the memories. And I Uh did remember some of it. And what I saw was that I was shown that my father would be devastated if I didn't go back. So I went back. And that's all I really remember about my purpose for going back or for my my purpose of my life. I know a lot of experiencers talk about they're actually shown some of the future that they're going to have if they go back, if they agree to go back. And a lot of times they have to forget it because it'll affect the way that they interact with people. But some people are shown changes that are going to take place on the earth, you know, planetary changes, which is very, very interesting to read about.
1: That's interesting.
2: The ones um, that are allowed for them.
1: I think well, I'd like to talk about now and our listeners might want to know is the uh, typical sequences of events in an NDE. And so I I listed what you had in the book here, some of the most common events that occur within an NDE. Not all experiences report all of these events. Go ahead, Ann, go ahead.
2: Yeah, let me um, sort of use your NDE as an example and and tell about some of the variations. Go ahead. Um, You said that you were in this vortex, initially, and then you were in a tunnel, and then you were in the light. Well, some people go immediately from um, being dead. (laughs) Well, they don't even realize they're dead. They just wake up in the light. Some people rise up out of their bodies and look down on their body for a while, visit people on the earth plane, before they're uh, sucked into another realm. Some people go um, through the stars, through outer space, real fast, before or before they go through the tunnel. Some people never go through a tunnel. Some people visit a thing that we call the void which might be something like what you talked about where everything was very black. And in the void, some people are afraid in the void. Some people feel very comforted in the void. And I have no explanation for what the void is. People sometimes say that they feel like they stayed there for an eternity and then they went into the light. Some people go down when they go out of their body and go to a very hellish kind of realm where there are people that are miserable and they want to make you miserable too. Um, before they ask to be taken out of there, and generally when they ask, they're taken out and take them to the light, or at least wake up back in their body. So there are several way stations before you get to the light. I say once you get to the light, you're home free, because people call that their home, and you're safe once you get there. Now, when you get to the light, a lot of people say it's, a pastoral scene, Um, you know, a landscape, a beautiful landscape. Some people say they see cities, cities of light. Some people say um, they meet beings. Very frequently people will say, I know a being was with me. I couldn't see it, but I knew it was with me during my journey here and after I arrived in the light. Sometimes the being will speak to you. Sometimes other beings will come up and speak to you that you don't know who they are. Some people are approached by beings that they do know who they are, Jesus. Some people meet God in a body. Most, if they experience God, it's not in a body. But they feel that these beings that, that talk to them and welcome them are very wise beings who have known them forever and they feel like they know them too and they love each other. A lot of people have a life review which may go by very quickly. They may feel remorse during their life review for things that they did or didn't do. They they also feel good about things that they did. They say that they're not judged by anyone but themselves, in fact, comforted if need be. Some are given a tour of heaven, the libraries, the cities, classrooms, people that are helping other beings either on earth or or newly arrived, people on the other side. They want to stay there. If... If they're told they have to go back, it's very, hardly anybody says, oh, yeah, please, let me go back. (laughs) By the time they've experienced the light, they know it's a better place there. And they say, no, thanks, I'll just stay here, no matter how much people need them back. But then they're shown pictures. A lot of times if it's not really their time to go according to their life's plan. They're shown pictures of people that need them, and this convinces them to go back. And after they get back, a lot of people say they rammed back into their body so hard and fast it bounced on the bed. And then there are the after effects that people have to deal with. Many, many of the people that have these experiences not only have to incorporate all of this new information into their world view, but they have to adjust to the new abilities that they have to see spirits, to know what other people are feeling. It's a, it's a, a lot of information, and a lot of people don't really want all that information. Some learn how to set boundaries and deal with that, but it's a lifelong effort to um, incorporate what they've learned and come up with a new life. And so many people change their lives drastically when they come back.
1: That's true. They, I know. Yes, they. That's for sure. And it, sometimes it's a hard, hard road. It's a hard road if yeah, they not, have to do that.
2: Not necessarily immediately, but sometimes immediately. And it's very hard on the family members because they don't understand why their loved one is acting
1: differently. Has a whole No, they don't. Of I, I know when I was younger, um, in, in my case, being a child, I started seeing uh, spirits around me. And I always attributed that job that, I went over and I came back and and I I went through the veil. And to me, it seemed like the veil was a lot thinner after I went over and came back.
2: Yes, that's how I refer to it, too. The veil becomes thinner.
1: Right. So now I'd like to ask you, what do you have learned from all these NDEs? Well,
2: I I come up with new conclusions every day, really, or every little, every time I think about it. But um I've learned a lot about love, about the power of love and the importance of love. Some of the people say it's not an emotion, it's a an energy or a force—it's the reality. It's what it's what reality is made out of. That God is love, and that that love is infinite and eternal and unconditional for every single human being. And I believe that, but it's hard to remember from day to day. To allow myself to receive that love every day.
1: So uh, one uh, topic you talk about is you can't be spiritual without being religious. Would you like to uh, tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yes. Um, So many people that go over there, they go into the light and they feel that love. They've never felt any love like it here on earth. They all say that. They say it is unearthly. There is no love like that here. It is totally unconditional for everybody. And they come back and they remember that love, and it's not exactly consistent necessarily with what their religious upbringing taught them. So some people change their religion. They either stop going to church or some people that never went to church start going to church or they look for God in new places. They have that knowledge within them and that certainty that that love is within them and is outside of them as well, and it's available for them to receive more of. So some people find that going to a church allows them to receive that more. Some people don't feel that way. But we now talk about you can be spiritual without being religious. The spiritual is your own personal Knowledge and the feelings that you have and your relationship with God and your ability to tap into this love that may or may not have anything to do with a religion.
1: And then you talk about earthly love isn't unconditional, but heavenly love always is.
2: Yes, the... Uh, the people that go over there say that, that the love over there is for everyone, that it's not just for a few, that all are accepted completely. And it's hard for us to even grasp what unconditional love is. But uh, one man who came back said he was, he was a drunk I mean, he drank a lot and he was a hard driving, womanizing businessman and he said when he got over there, they knew me completely and they loved me. It didn't matter what I had done. That love was total for me. So it's hard for us to even realize how what this is like, that that there's nothing that we can do to make that love go away. We can lose touch with it, but it's always there for us. No matter what we do. And they and then, they repeat that over
1: and then you say the reports of god being mean are wrong you, you report that that god but, is not mean
2: well i always wondered about it you know the uh i was raised as a methodist and have um joined other christian denominations from time to time throughout my life and one of the one of the experiencers said God talked to me. He was telling me things. He gave me knowledge of some of what I was supposed to know, things such as he is just love and that all the teachings of him being mean and that he was someone to fear was wrong. And I was so glad that somebody actually said that, you know, reported that God said that because I've had a hard time reconciling the Old Testament scriptures with the New Testament scriptures. And my only conclusion is that everywhere in the Old Testament where it says we should fear God, I studied Hebrew for a little while, and the word that actually appears can also mean awe. So I I prefer to believe that God wants us to approach him with awe Yes. But with a heart full of love, not fear. Fear and love on this earth plane are almost mutually exclusive. They it's very hard to feel love when you're afraid of somebody. So yeah. I'm so glad <laughs> to hear from near death experiencers that God doesn't want us to fear him. He wants that 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 is not what he's like.
1: And then uh, love is an all-encompassing energy?
2: Yes. Several of the near-death experiencers try to report on the love as an energy rather than an emotion, and that, in fact, it's, that everything is made out of this energy. Love is the energy of creation. So unconditional love is all there is, was, or ever will be, one says. And it's hard to fathom that. Sometimes I'm driving down the street and I say, Everything is made out of love. To myself, to remind myself, nothing is here to condemn me, to harm me, to trip me up, to give me misery. It's all here for the purpose of love. And it just helps me accept it to remind myself of that.
1: we are always being guided and assisted, even when it doesn't feel like it.
2: Yes, to me, this is one of the most valuable things that near-death experiencers report. They say we're never alone, any of us. And I wasn't raised as a Catholic, but I now embrace the concept of a guardian angel. I, I now believe that we all have a, a light being or an angel assigned to us that watches over us. And there was one particular report by a woman that is called Sorcha in my book. She was traveling in New Zealand. She was from Ireland, and she and her daughter took a vacation in New Zealand, and their car ran off the road and threw them out. And as she was being guided by her angel into the light, she said, I can't go. I've got to go back and help my daughter. She's alone by the side of the road. And the angel said, she's never alone. Nobody is ever alone. I am always present, not always noticed. And then Sorcha watched as two angels appeared behind her daughter took on a human form of a young white woman and a young Maori man in a suit and gold-rimmed glasses. She says, they just appeared with no visible means of transport. And then the light being that was with me told me that they were my daughter's guardian angel and a helper angel and that they would protect her. And that has stayed with me. That's a very beautiful account and very comforting to me because other experiencers also say that they are told nobody is ever alone. We always have somebody watching over us and who loves us and cares for us, and we can call on them at any time we need them.
1: Okay, then let's go into the meaning of life. We choose our lives.
2: Well... This sort of gets into um, the fact that once you read enough near-death experiences, you, at least for me, I, I finally started believing that we're, we're just as alive after we're dead as we are now. In fact, they say more so. And that we are an eternal soul, and that we come into these lifetimes for a reason, to learn, to assist someone, to learn more about love, and sometimes we choose to learn the hard way. My mother used to always say, "And, you have to learn everything the hard way." <laughs> I think by coming to Earth, I chose to learn everything the hard way. She just wanted me to take her word for it, you know, and not have to try things myself. But people report that our lives are the result of our planning before we came here and that we choose our challenges as well as the people that we're going to be with and that we come back time after time with some of the same people who have been in our soul family before, not necessarily a single soul mate, but various people that we come back with time after time. And they say, there's a reason for everything, even suffering, because that's how we learn. That's why we come to Earth. If we didn't want to learn the hard way, we wouldn't have come to Earth. We would have gone somewhere else. (laughs) And then they say, we even can choose more lifetimes. Now I've been introduced to the concept of reincarnation You know, additional lifetimes coming back, that we can come back as a different uh, person, a different sex, a different race, various different (laughs) personages. But I didn't really know for myself. I'd never experienced that, so I couldn't say yay or nay, that's a true thing or it's not. But I read more and more near-death experiences, and a number of them talked about, after they came back, they believed that we could choose additional lifetime. And one of them says, people are given opportunities to learn. They are not, if they are not successful, they're given additional opportunities, parens, lifetimes. And there was no sense of retribution, such as coming back to some miserable existence as punishment.
1: Um, And love never ends.
2: I think this has something to do with why I wrote the book, to understand better the continuity of love between this side and the other side. It's true love on the other side is fuller, more joyous, more peaceful, more compassionate, more understanding, but there is a continuity and people have reported that those that you love on this side, you never stop loving them. Some people say the only thing you take with you when you die, is love. That everything that you did on this earth, no matter how generous, if it was not done with love, is undone.
1: And we talked about this uh, earlier, the veil becomes thinner after an NDE.
2: Yes. Yes. So many... So many near-death experiencers can um, have openings between this side and the other side, whether it's when a person is near death or whether it's just every day, whether it's spirits or whether it's understanding other people better.
1: Right. And you say that uh, I was looking at the notes here. You were talking uh, why do some people have NDEs and why some people don't.
2: This is a question that I don't have the answer for. I know that um, out of the people that die and are resuscitated, not everybody remembers a uh, an out-of-body or in-the-light experience. Does that mean they didn't have one? No, not necessarily. But why are some people given spiritually transformative experiences? A lot of these people didn't almost die. They were meditating. They were sleeping. They were sitting on the couch and got up to change the channel to the TV, and they were sucked out of their bodies and taken to heaven. Why do these things happen? And my only level of understanding is that it's part of our contract, our our support system from the other side, that those on the other side are very active in their support of us and their teaching of us and their Organizing our lives so that we learn the things we wanted to learn, and I believe that this is one of the ways that they help us to move to a whole new level, a new vibrational level, very quickly.
1: I like this one. By labeling things, we try to figure everything out, but no earthly science or religion understands the law of heaven.
2: Yes, I being a scientist myself, a computer scientist, albeit, which is not a physical scientist, but, um, you know, I, I do like to put things into categories and organize them and line them up and give them names and try to understand them, and the fact of the matter is when it comes to understanding heaven, we cannot yet do that. We are not at a vibrational level where we can tap into what's over there and grasp it fully. You know, I brought back all these lessons that people teach us, and I can write them all down, and I have them all organized into nice, neat little chapters. But for it to be a reality on this earth, we've got a ways to go.
1: And then everything is made by love, of love, for love.
2: I've come to believe, understand that God is love, that, that God came first and God is love, and that everything that God created was made from God's self, that we are part of this oneness. And people that go over to the other side actually experience the oneness of all existence. I can, you know, I can try to explain it. I can talk about it, but I don't get it. (laughs) But I believe that we are all part of the love. So we were made by love and of love, and we're made for love in that it's our primary purpose to learn how to love more perfectly, more completely in every possible combination and permutation of situations. And that's my final (laughs) thought on that.
1: Would you please talk a little bit about Helen's uh, experience because it really wasn't an NDE, as we know, NDEs.
2: Helen is one of the first uh, experiences that I read that was submitted to IANS. All I give credit to the people that experienced them, that wrote them down, that sent them in to the International Association for Near-Death Studies, and we're still accepting your account if you are willing to write yours down. Helen talked about she had started meditating every day. She was a married woman. And uh, after about a year and a half, she had this one meditation. She came out of it and she said, I walked downstairs to my living room. And here I'll quote from her. I noticed as I looked out the window that I was one with the blades of grass and the rocks in the road. I was enveloped in a love I could not put into words. This divine love was in everything and in me. At the core of my being, I was this love, and so was everyone else. So she actually came, she was actually in her body while she was experiencing this, which is very unusual. Most near death experiencers remember it. And they they re-experience it. They do when they think about it. But she didn't have any memory of going out of her body. It was simply a meditative state. And she had several experiences after she came back where she behaved in a way that was so unlike herself. One was... For a couple of weeks, she was just walking around in this state of infinite awareness, as she puts it, without any judgment. And she saw this drunk by the side of the road, and he was disheveled, sitting on the curb. She approached him, and she saw his true being. He was love, there was no judgment. He was as worthy as everyone else. He was loved as much as everyone else, and she understood that she was seeing beyond human appearances. And those and then, are called... Uh,
1: I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: Yeah, what what were you going to say?
1: No, I was just going to say those are called uh, near-death-like experiences, right?
2: Um... Yeah, actually, a near-death-like experience, um, a lot of times people are not near-death, but they are sucked out of their body and go to heaven. Um, her experience, the thing that was near-death-like was the after effect, the, what she was left with, just as some near-death experiences experiencers are left with a memory and a knowledge of this alternate reality, which is no judgment. And she's carried this with her the rest of her life. She talks about how her mother telephoned her and wanted to know, well, what's, what's going on with you? Why are you so different? And she decided to try to explain it to her mother. And when she did that, it stopped. <laughs> she lost that state of perfection that she had been in for two weeks. But she's carried with her the rest of her life. And I've been in touch with her. And it's such a blessing to talk to her and email her because she still knows that all that really matters is this oneness and this love. everybody
1: okay and then um, you want to talk about um, well the shared life experience
2: yes one of the experiences in my book was uh, a young woman I call her Sylvana in the book but she reports that she was sleeping you know just nothing happening all of a sudden She was sucked out of her body into a tunnel. Her brother was in the tunnel with her, and a a bright light was behind him, and she felt all this love coming from that light. And she looked at her brother, and he was, like, glowing. He was smiling, and she could feel his extreme happiness. And she didn't even have time to wonder what's going on, you know. And then the telephone rang, and it woke her up. And she was being informed that her brother had been killed in an automobile accident in another state. He wasn't even anywhere near where she was.
1: That's fascinating.
2: And there's so many things, you know, when you realize you're a spiritual being in a body, there's so many things that you can do and connect with that you don't even, you know,
4: <laughs>
2: our normal reality does not acknowledge. And this is the kind of thing that happens. And most people don't, know, don't understand it, they don't talk about it, but now that near death, you know, Raymond Moody deserves a lot of credit because he coined the term near-death experience. You can't talk about something if there's not even a word in your language for it. Now, near-death experience is something of a misnomer, you know, because not everybody's near death. And besides, they say I was dead; I wasn't near death. But he also coined the term "shared death experience," so now we can talk about this kind of experience that Sylvana had and normalize it. Many people have had these experiences but we didn't have a term for it. So we didn't know how to ref- talk about it.
1: Right. Okay, so now we have some callers that want to ask you some questions. So this is a portion sure. of the show. We're going to let the callers call. I got uh one coming on right now. Go ahead. Go ahead
5: heart stopped while she was getting her dialysis but my friend had her resuscitated because she was afraid to let her go and her her mother was also afraid to die so but a couple weeks later i was sitting at the mother's bedside while my friend was busy doing her household chores so i asked her mother i just come out and ask her do you remember anything when your heart stopped or when they were resuscitating you and she was silent for a few minutes and then she said i do She said, "I, you know, I remember going through a tunnel toward a bright light, and I wasn't afraid." She said, "I wasn't afraid." And her daughter overheard that, and she come running in, and then she said to me, "Well, why, why wouldn't she have told me that?" And I said, "Well, you didn't ask." But um, a few weeks later, of course, the mother's heart did uh, stop on her again. But this time, the daughter didn't have her revived because she wasn't afraid. She knew her mother was going to a good place, and that her mother wasn't afraid. So it, it had a very good ending. I think it was very helpful that her, her, you know, that her daughter got to experience that, to hear about that near-death experience. But I just wonder, how do you bring that up, or should you always bring that up with a patient?
2: Well, I'm so glad that you asked because so often we don't even think to ask, and you know, when you do ask, sometimes they say no, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so healing and you were the instrument of that and you made it possible it's not easy to bring it up you know but all you have to do is ask and
5: yeah it's, it's i think more people should ask if they feel that feeling that you know that you that it you know sometimes you just have that feeling that you should ask that someone has, has had that experience and i'm so glad i did because it really was healing to to, to both of them i think really so yes, I'm I, glad you did too. Well, that thank you, you for, for thank you for doing this uh, podcast. I really enjoyed everything you've said so far. Thank you very much. Thank you.
1: Okay, we're going to take another call now. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, I,
3: I was just wondering, for those of us who, you know, haven't had a near-death experience or are just kind of living regular lives, and besides maybe meditation, is is there a way to, like, make the veil thinner so, so we know, you know, is there a spirit guide there? Is there a way to, you know, help us kind of uh, make things easier for us? <laughs>
2: I like your question. I I would like to talk to my spirit guides better, too. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um,
2: I've had the best luck by just sitting down and closing my eyes and talking to them and seeing if I get any feelings or, you know, I always want words, but I seldom get words, but I do get feelings, and... One time I said, you know, I know I have a guardian angel. I have a guardian angel, but I've never thanked you, and I just want to thank you for being with me all these years. Oh, I never
3: thought of that. I,
2: (laughs) I, I just felt this chills and love come over me. In fact, I'm feeling it right now, saying it again. Um... And I just knew that was validation that, yes, I do have a guardian angel and, <laughs> dang, maybe she appreciate she or he appreciates, you know, the acknowledgement yeah. for us to just talk to them. And I know another person who's a medium now, and she got into it because her uh, stepdaughter died as an adult, and... Uh, she just started sitting down during her meditation sessions and saying I'm going to talk to you hello where are you come through mm-hmm. I want to hear okay. from you I know you're over there I know
0: <laughs>
2: you know that that you're alive and I I want to have a relationship with you still yes. and, and now she's a medium and she helps other people because she developed her ability, but it was just like sitting down and demanding (laughs) or asking, you know, saying, I'm not
3: going to give up. Yeah, I feel like especially that we're in a lot of time of stress and things and a lot of times we just, you know, get so wrapped up in what's happening in the world that we kind of forget to, you know, sit down and and that life has a, a greater meaning than the day-to-day stuff that's going on.
2: Thank you. That's a beautiful statement because I've gotten caught up in a certain amount of fear and it's really hard to feel love (laughs) for anybody (laughs) when
3: I'm
2: filled with fear. And just your saying out loud, there is more to life than just this, you know, our narrow vision there is yes. more thank you for saying that and
3: reminding me <laughs> <laughs> well i've really enjoyed the the radio broadcast uh this evening so i'm i'm glad that uh karen uh, had you on and uh it's been a very interesting um at the end of the show, can you give us more information about like your book, the name of it and where to where we can get it and that kind of stuff?
2: Yes, maybe I'll do that right now. Um, okay, well I'm gonna one. I'm gonna hang up
3: yeah, I'll hang up oh. now and, and thanks. Thank, you. Thank <laughs> and I, you. And I'll listen listen to the radio. All right, thanks. Bye bye.
2: Bye. My book is called Revelations of Profound Love. The author is Anne Francis Ellis. It's available on Amazon and on my website, revelationsofprofoundlove.com. And the International Association for Near-Death Studies can be reached at www.iands.org. It's a membership organization, and they would love to have your membership and your support and have you come to their conferences. And look for a local group near you. That's the end of my account.
1: Well, that's good. Now we have somebody from the chat, and I'm going to read what they want to know, Ian. Okay. Does somebody have to be clinically dead to experience a near-death experience? Could it be someone on uh, cardio, cardio bypass during open-heart surgery?
2: Yeah, I mean, it can be somebody just walking around. <laughs> it's, uh, but there are many there are many people that are sort of in a life threatening situation, but they're not necessarily dead. Um, people on drugs sometimes but you think, well, maybe their life is threatened or they wouldn't have had this out-of-body, near-death experience. But even sometimes people say that are in automobile accidents, if they see a car coming towards them and they know they're going to die, they go out of their body before the impact, so they don't even feel anything. So it can really... You know, it can be in a life threatening situation as well as um maybe they are almost dying. You you can't be sure and the doctors generally say, We almost lost you when <laughs> you were dead as a doornail and they were trying to bring you back. They they don't they prefer not to talk about it you know, as possible. So it's hard to know. You know, where's where's this line between life and death? And I might add, um some of the authors that I've read, Alice Bailey, to be exact, says death of the physical body is not the end. There's another level, and that's the decision of the soul, as long as the, as the spiritual body is connected to the physical body by the silver cord, until the soul makes the decision to stay, not to come back, we are not irrevocably dead, no matter you know all of the, all of the tests that can be done on a physical body, are not conclusive. Thank you for that question.
1: Now we have another caller. Okay. Hi, welcome to the show. Hi, thank Thank you. I've been
6: just really riveted to the radio show. Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't know if you can answer this question. I um, lost someone very precious to me, Uh, the most precious connection you could possibly have, a person could have on the planet, and I lost them last uh, June. And I haven't dreamt about them at all, but last night I did dream about them. And I you know i've I've seen signs of them um during that this time of them around me um you know I'll see special lights or or that kind of thing, but in my dream, i was there were a lot of people, a lot of people around us, and the individual that I lost was working behind a counter. It was almost like they were checking people in. But there were other people around us between me and my loved one. And I kept saying to them, you know, I want to see you. I want to talk to you. And they looked at me and all of a sudden, words were shown to me. So I wasn't seeing any people. I was just seeing words. And they were very clear words. And it said, look at this, look at this. And it showed me a pair of reading glasses. And then it showed me a page with words on it, but I couldn't clearly see the words. And then I came out of it. So, I I, I truly believe I, I've lived most of my life believing in um, the other side and life on the other side, and you know, communicating with the other side. And um, not that I've done much of it, um, but how would you suggest I find out? what those words were
2: well i don't have the answer and i know that sometimes well i want to validate first of all that dreams are one of the most successful ways that our loved ones come through to us um and people say this this was a dream it wasn't like normal dreams it was it was a a It was a dream that I remember better than normal dreams, and it was more real. And if he was in it, I'm pretty sure it was a visitation from him. I'm not sure what the message
6: was. (laughs) You know what? Your intuitive powers are at work because I didn't even use a pronoun. You're you're picking something up intuitively because I didn't use a pronoun. I didn't say he or she, and you said he, and you're correct. It was he. Oh you know, really? So I didn't even. Yeah, you're, I, you're, I picked, No, I I, I, I from yeah. the beginning. Yeah, you okay. your intuitive powers are are accurate. Well, Uh-oh. I know that I saw. <laughs> I was there.
2: Let me say a few more things. Okay. Um he being behind a counter like doing a job sort of with a lot of other people, tells me possibly a possible interpretation of that is that he's very busy on the other side yes yeah that, that he that he's assigned to, and he's and it takes a lot of time and effort on his part to um uh, perform this job. You know, and sometimes they, you know, they can't come through because they're too busy. Yes.
6: Um, Yes.
2: You know, they do have jobs over there. So um, possibly, you know, not necessarily. And he wanted you to see something, but you couldn't see it. And you were even given glasses. And you still couldn't make out. The yeah. words um, i I don't get anything, you know, I don't know what he wants you to do, but I feel like maybe if you just meditate and and focus on him and you know tell him that you want to understand. What he's trying to tell you—that you are willing to accept, you know—if he's busy or whatever it is—but if yeah. he wants you to know something, you want to know what it is. And um, you know, see if you get anything, another dream or I don't know what. But I'm so, I'm so thankful that you are not discounting the experiences that you've had between the times past and now,
6: which, yeah. you know,
2: they try so hard to let us know that they're still with us, that they yeah. are are good, they're great, <laughs> you know, they're better than fine, yeah. they're, they're doing really good, and they want us to be happy for them, and they want us to yeah. be happy in our lives, you know. But, you yeah. uh,
0: it's for us than it is for them. <laughs> so
6: I wish I could give I was, you the... No, you have, just by the mere fact that you're having the show, I know I was destined to listen to the show, especially after that dream. And I was, I woke up with the thought that I was so happy that he was working, you know, that he was, that he had, like you said, I totally mm-hmm. thought the same thing, that he had an assignment and that he's, you know things are processing along my sadness right now that I'm being and it came to me even after the dream and I feel sad now too the thought is that I have to let him go and understand what that means
2: yes yes acceptance is very very difficult but you don't have to let him go
6: He'll that's, still be around.
2: That's the that's the wonderful thing about knowing that he's alive. Yeah. You know, and he loves you, and you love him, and you're connected, and nothing can sever that, nothing. You do not have to let him go. Yeah, you have to let his body go, unfortunately. You know, you can't. <laughs> Um, you know, you can't have his body anymore, but yeah, but but you don't have to let him go, and don't let anybody tell you you have to let him go because he's in your heart, you're in his heart, and he's alive, and you're alive, and 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 you'll see each other again, you know, and yeah. Uh, the story about Jessica in my book, she lost her sister, and in a a terrible murder, you know, it was just mm. horrible, and uh, oh, it was very, very difficult for her to deal with. But mm. she sat down and 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 focused on this near death like experience that she had had, she knew that there was something, that there was more than just the earthly interpretation of that, that there was more. And she was able to tune into that and expand her understanding that she and her sister are joined forever those who truly love, she says, will be with their loved ones forever. And I totally believe.
6: I think what I'm um, understanding a little bit more is that I know all of us on the planet are going to walk that walk where we all end up, you know, passed on as our loved ones are. And I know we'll all be together. And letting go, for me, it would be, letting go of still going over things in my head, like, well, if this had happened differently, you know, would he still be here? That kind of letting go, you know, because I can't, I can't bring him back. Like you said, I can't, bring his, I can't have his body, you know I, know, I. but yeah, everything else, we're always united. I know. I, i tell myself that i tell myself that we're united
2: well the more you tell yourself that the better cuz i have all oh, come to realize that when i rehash things that i regret whether it was somebody did something to me or whether i did something to somebody else it doesn't matter when i every time i rehash it i'm re abusing
6: myself. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, i it's, it's self flagellation. It's like yeah. you know, if you if you want to give love to other people, don't you think you deserve it too
6: <laughs> from yourself?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you you're right. No,
6: you're right about you comforted. Yeah. You deserve to be
2: told that there's nothing you could do. That you know, from near-death experiencers, you know, just rereading my books, there there are many stories in here of people who realize that life is unfolding with a plan. That it's not this random horrible things that happen that there's there's intelligence and it has to do with what we wanted to learn, what we wanted to teach ourselves. So you chose in this lifetime to lose someone very dear to you and for you to go on. But maybe in another lifetime That person had to go on without you. You were the one that got to be set free from your body, and they had to go on, and they learned this hard road of going on without another person, but loving anyhow. And in this lifetime, that's something for you to learn. Yeah, it's hard. It's very. It's you know, <laughs> Earth is not an easy
6: classroom. No, no, it's not. You know, I'm very busy. Physically, I'm very busy. I mean, I'm I'm incredibly busy, but I still feel like sometimes I'm just floating along. Well,
2: every time you say sad,
6: give yourself
2: a little call. Oh moment to to honor that, to honor that, you know, how much your heart aches and how much better life would be if you hadn't gone through this in some respects. you know. Honor your feelings. Don't just stay busy and ignore them. You know you don't have to wallow in them forever but but you might you know you don't know if it'll ever end. You know people are yeah. learning sharing their grief on Facebook more and more, you know and and acknowledging it doesn't necessarily go away, you know it's yeah. a heartache and so, be gentle with yourself. acknowledge your pain, your heartache, your sadness. Let yourself cry and uh and just love yourself and maybe let him give you some love too from the other side or your or your guides and the guardian angel or God or
6: you know there's a lot of love over there for you. Thank you. I believe what you're saying. Thank you. I believe what you're saying. Thank you.
1: I hope it helps. It does.
6: Thank you. God bless you, too. God bless you both. Thank
1: you. Thank you. you. Anybody else? Hi. Welcome to the show. Hi, Good evening.
4: Is this Dr. Ann?
1: Uh,
3: Yes. Uh,
4: My name is uh, Hugh and uh, I have had a very bizarre life and it's full of very powerful synchronicities too and one of them is my wife's name was Ann and she passed in January 2007. We were married 35 and a half years and she was a total earth angel and uh, although I miss her dearly, I understand that she probably went back into spirit because she'd be just happy in retirement of cooking meals and holding hands and talking. But I'm actually, in her memory, committed to empowering women and indigenous people as I work on transforming economics, education, politics, religion, and more rooting at corruption globally and bringing in new paradigms based on spirituality and unconditional agape love.
2: Well, good for you, Hugh. And I don't <laughs> think Anne went over to the other side for the reason that you state.
4: All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, she feel be she's very retired. close helping me in what I'm doing. And <laughs> I also... Resonate very deeply with Jesus Christ And today's his resurrection day And I don't uh, think Jesus is happy with a lot of religions And I tell people just to understand Two basic things that he said on how people Should live their life And that's to always put God first And secondly to love your neighbors as yourself That people would just do that in their families And their community and ripple it out around the world all the wars will stop immediately
2: Yes, and don't forget we're all fine exactly the
0: way we are.
4: (laughs) Well, they're all lessons that we're here to learn too, and I heard you say that, uh, talking about people that may have done harm to you, I've been set up in so many things, but I look to make lemonade out of the lemons, so I forgive them, and I forgive myself for the part that I may have played in a situation, but at the same time, if you're Setting somebody up to have them arrested, <laughs> as I was in one case. I never was arrested for anything in my life, and the, this woman is putting out false love to the world. Uh, that has to be challenged.
2: Um,
0: you mean me?
4: No, no, oh. I can... <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm just saying that there are, uh, again. There is personal responsibility. That's part of what we're here to learn. I feel that we all incarnate to learn the lesson of unconditional love. As we learn it, we're supposed to be a blessing to others, especially those who can't help themselves. And we all are spiritual beings. We came from spirit. Even if you're an atheist, you can't deny that. You're going to go back into spirit. What I say is we're fully accountable for everything we do here, and that's what people don't want to focus on. And you can't take the material goods with you, so look at that too.
2: I liked your phrasing, take responsibility for ourselves, better than accountable. Because accountable makes it sound like somebody's up there keeping records of what we did that was good and what we did that was bad. And I really want us to get away from feeling that way.
4: Well, it yes. has to be, the corruption has to be rooted out. There are people doing things, and people are not aware of what's happening to them by people that are manipulating them. That's what I'm talking about as far as accountability. In other words, there's global elites behind the scenes that are perpetrating schemes, and people are not aware because they're too busy with their life to, to see what's happening. But if everything was functioning properly, uh, and especially even two the religions, nobody on the planet would be without clean water, food, and proper shelter. So that's what I'm looking to get accomplished.
2: Yes. And did you have a question or anything like that?
4: Well, I'd love to speak with you some more to identify myself to you because I have a a business partner I think you'd be very interested in. Perhaps we can do some joint ventures and collaborations. He has three doctorates and is an expert in the law of attraction and was also former internal affairs police for the whole state of Florida for about eight years, and he can... Validate a lot about who I am And I actually share common background With President Trump But I'm not into the ego like he is
2: Well you can friend me On Facebook, do you do Facebook?
4: I have these Things on the internet, I don't do anything Inbound or outbound Myself, I have people who put things On the internet And uh, if uh, you can See my number, you're welcome to call And leave a message, this is a cell phone I have a landline number, but uh, I can call you back on that whenever it's convenient, or you can. I can give you a blog, and you can see my name on there and Google it, and you'll see all kinds of other shows and interviews and things, websites.
2: Okay, what's that?
4: Uh, that would be the word creativity, the number seven 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 dot com, and on that blog is actually a picture of my Earth Angel wife Anne on her wedding day, and the, the poem I dedicated to her titled Caring Sharing is in the President Ronald Reagan Library and Maya Angelou actually commented on my poem. It's discussed in the interview on that blog as a weapon against terrorism and currently I'm looking to utilize it to help the people of Haiti who can't help themselves.
2: Well, my blog is on revelationsofprofoundlove.com. So um, you can also um, go on there. I don't think I'm accepting messages anymore. I got too many um, right I understand <laughs> spam, <laughs> but yeah um, my,
4: my, every morning, my that. partner goes through three thousand emails <laughs> he gets a lot of solicitations. Too, but uh, yeah. he's uh, pretty yeah. good as far as processing information. But uh, that's the other uh, problem: is information overload in the world today. So people have to check the facts. And uh, when you put out uh, fake news, that's it's been around that used to be called propaganda. So just fact check everything.
1: Okay. Well, well, thank you very much. And we have a couple more callers that we have to get to before we have to leave. So thank uh, I thank you
4: for the time and thank God, you bless God bless everyone. God bless.
1: Hello. 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 Hi. hi. I guess they dropped. Hi. How are you? Nice for calling in. No, it's just you and me.
2: <laughs> well, I guess they do Saying to hello call. to each other. <laughs> I guess.
1: Well, that's nice. We could say hello to each other. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hello. Okay. Hello? Hello.
0: Hi. 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 Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, um... My beloved brother David um, fell from the highest bridge in the United States of America on March second um, in two thousand and fifteen um breaks my heart to think about it and um, i I think maybe he's tried to communicate with me um I sincerely hope that I've been a loving, good sister to him. Yes. And um, do you communicate with people who passed on? Well, I'm
2: not very good at it. I'm trying to learn, but (laughs) I wish I could do better. Um, All right. I have to hire mediums or do table tipping with a group, usually to get in touch with spirits. But I see. Um, I I I totally think it's a wonderful idea. <laughs>
4: you know, it's
2: given me a lot of comfort and a lot of information. You know, because mm-hmm. why should it be so hard for us to talk to our loved ones? You know, right. they're over there. And they are trying to talk to us. We're trying to talk to them, and nobody can tell. You know, they can hear us fine, I think. This is my theory. They can hear us fine. We just can't hear them.
0: But Well, uh, um, you know, when you pass over, how do you adjust to not doing human things, like eating and um, regular, normal, everyday uh, things. Well,
2: um, you know, you can read my book. It's got over 100 people's accounts of what it's like when they get into the light. Uh, you know, they realize they don't have a body. Um, they still appreciate beauty. They see colors they never saw before. They hear sounds that are very uplifting and, you know, beautiful music sometimes. Um, you know, they even have notes over there that we don't have. So there's there's plenty of wonderful things over there for them to enjoy and to do. Um, you know, earthly things are not as of as much interest to them, really. Um, you know, they look back at their body and it looks like a piece of dead meat, you know. They have no desire to go back into it. And uh, mm-hmm. so, so, you know, it's not like they're pining away for something that they don't have.
0: Um. And well, I, uh, I comfort myself by telling me myself that there will be a reunion when my time comes with my beloved mother and father and David, my brother, beloved brother. And yeah. um, so... Um, there will real- be. Yes. And, and, and I they- must believe... Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I must believe that they're with me even now. I believe that. I believe... Okay
2: that uh whenever whenever you think about them they can just you know, some people talk about this ability to immediately be somewhere. You know, once you get out of your body, you don't have to go at the speed of light. You just are immediately where you think where you're thinking about. So if you're thinking mm-hmm. about David, he's here. You know, you spoke his name. He's here. He is here. He knows that you're talking about him. He knows the anguish that you feel. You know? And mm-hmm. dang, he's happy. You know, read some of these books like uh oh what was that one? Um the afterlife of Billy Fingers.
4: <laughs>
2: oh my gosh, his sister you know, who's a nice Jewish girl. She didn't believe in all this stuff, but he started coming through and giving her messages after he died. He was like a high roller. He was into drugs, you know, everything. I mean, he just believed in living life to the fullest. And you know Mm -hmm. what? Once he's over there, he's so glad he did. (laughs) You know, because he didn't, I mean, that was his chance to experience all these wonderful things.
0: So, mm-hmm.
2: you know, I just read a lot of these books
4: <laughs>
2: that people write, and that gives me comfort. But I also um, look for mediums in my hometown, you know, and try to get their services at a reduced rate because, um it's expensive, <laughs> you know, paying for a medium. time you want to talk to your loved one. So I do table tipping, um, you know, on a regular basis with a group, and we can talk to anybody we want. <laughs> and it's wonderful. We do it every other week, and we always get together. And, and we can ask our guides for information and for guidance, you know, Is it for my highest good to apply for this job? Uh, What's wrong with my car? Is it the transmission? You know, what's, why Mm -hmm. do I feel so lousy? I mean, they know, they can, they have powers that we don't have. Mm
3: -hmm. They can see
2: and understand and hear. They can see inside our bodies. They can, you know, they know what's wrong with us. They know if we have, if we need an antibiotic, if we need this, if we need that, you know, they know what we need. All we have to do is ask, and they'll help us. So, this is this. Is, you know, David, it was quite, it was quite a challenge for you to have to have your brother jump from the highest bridge in the world.
0: Yes, very hurtful.
2: Very hurtful, but. I just want you to know it hardly hurt him at all.
4: You know, it was a hard
2: decision. It was a hard decision. But it wasn't horrible. You know, it wasn't like he lay there or it, it wasn't like he even felt anything. You know, they're in shock. You know, when you... When you get hit real hard,
4: mm-hmm. it's
2: almost like you don't feel anything
0: mm-hmm. at
2: first. You know, then you start hurting afterwards. Well, he was dead, <laughs> you know. I mean, he was out of his body and moving on. So gives me a, a lot of comfort to read the stories of people, you know, that talk about what it's like to die. Hardly any of them
0: say, you know,
2: that it was bad.
0: And that helps, well, me. I'm, that helps me a lot. I, I wonder if he ever thinks of me, um, and along with my beloved mother and father, I wonder if they ever think of me. Yes.
2: Um, this is how I understand it. Every time you think of them, you don't have to say their name out loud. They can hear your thoughts, not that they're eavesdropping. But mm-hmm. if they hear if they hear a thought about themselves, they think of you, and in fact they're present. And on other occasions they think about you. They're kind of watching over you. They're paying attention to your life, and they want you to be happy. They want to help guide you, you know, they're they're guardian angels for you too now. Like like Hugh said, our previous caller, you know, his wife is helping him now, even though she's on the other side. Sometimes people go over to the other side because they can help us more from the other side than they can from this side.
0: Well, I, I can tell you that I honestly do believe in love ...because of my beloved mother and father and David. And... um, uh, ...I do have a sister Leslie and a nephew... ...and I certainly love them equally. Um, And uh, I just want to... I'm going to be 66 on July the 6th. And I... um, I'm ready to go now... Um, and I just want to be comfortable emotionally, you know and safe until my time comes and uh I've been through a terrible time trying to find employment um, i um I think that that may change very soon. I actually got a temporary job, which may turn permanent, but um. I wasn't treated very well last Friday. And um, so I I have some other opportunities, possibly, with the city of Sacramento, PG&E, and SMUD in their call centers. Um, And I'm just putting it in the Lord's hands. Um, And I just want, and I want, I want peace. And yes. um, I want to be a good person and mm-hmm. uh, leave something for my sister when my time comes and her son. And um, uh, I, uh, that's really where I'm coming from right now. I, I watch myself very closely every single day, and I watch my behavior and everything I say and do because. I would never want to hurt anybody emotionally or in any other way. And I will not say that I'm perfect, but I will say that I'm a very kind person. So um, I have been through absolute hell um, in many ways, especially the last few years. And um, I am a testimony, uh, and I enjoy helping people and um uh this past weekend i felt emotionally injured because of the way i was treated on friday at my temp job um and i hope to keep it until i transition into a new job that i'll be able to keep for several years um the job i currently have i like i like the actual basics of the job um However, the attitude and viewpoint and the demeanor of some of the management around me can be quite brutal, and uh it makes me feel uncomfortable to be in that kind of environment um, well
2: i feel like I feel like you're a sensitive soul and yes. i
0: can't
2: I can't you know really take the time right now to listen to um you know, the details. But I think that your uh, statements of your beloved brother, your beloved mother, your beloved father are keeping your heart open so that you're open to love. You're open to good things happening in your life. And the more you acknowledge... The love that is around you and on the other side for you, you know, I feel like that will help pull the good and the love into your circumstances, which God knows <laughs> circumstances can be very, very challenging and very difficult and i'm you know i have I'm sorry, you have to go through difficult. Times, but I, all I can do is encourage you to keep your heart open to okay. that the beloved.
0: No, I, think I, I think I'm in a better place employment wise that I've been in a long time and I think I have a good chance of keeping this job until I transition until the, into the new job where I'll be for at least five years and um, thank God for my beloved sister Leslie and my Beloved nephew, Brandon.
4: Aww.
0: So, um, I do appreciate you. Thank you being so much. Well, thank you for calling and in. You're thank very you. welcome.
2: Take God care. God bless
0: you. Bye.
1: Okay. Uh, nobody else on the ch- on the chat and. I think we're going to wrap this up now. So it's it's been a pleasure, Anne. As always,
2: my pleasure. My heart is so open. I really appreciate all of the sharing that people did, and and all the love that has come through for me. And you know, my guides and my spirits, and and Jesus. God bless him, who's. Still alive, you know, and loves every one of us. I'm very, I'm very uh, moved by this okay. whole program.
0: It's
1: very. I'm sure you you helped a lot of people tonight and moved them too, and and showed them different aspects of having near-death experiences. I I know I learned some things just by talking to you, and that's what's important.
2: I know, there's so much to learn. I learn something new every time I talk to people, really.
1: Me too. Um, So, without further ado, this concludes our show for tonight. I want to thank our guests, Dr. Ann Ellis. And it was certainly a pleasure, and I'm so happy that you consented to being on the show.
2: I am, Our too,
1: next, and I'm so happy. Good. Our next Go guest will be next month, May 21st, and it will be Curtis Trials. He will talk about uh, Emmanuel Swedenberg, and he, he's very big into that. He has a YouTube channel of Off the Left Eye, and so uh, take a look and see what he talks about. We're going to probably talk about a variety of things, angels, afterlife, things like that. But I hope you tune in and uh, uh, give uh, Curtis a try. And I want to thank all the truth seekers for listening tonight. Till we meet again, may you be the light that helps others see.